Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Genesis 33 and 34. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's what James 1 tells us. And we need to be reminded of that. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Because there will be times where we are upset and upset about, frankly, things worth being upset about. We'll be upset by things that are wrong, things that are unjust, things that are, well, evil. And we will be upset about those things. But many times we will see in the Bible, many times we will see throughout history, and frankly, many times we will see in our own lives where we respond to something that is not right, but we respond to it with an anger that doesn't lead to good things, that does not produce the righteousness of God. And today we're going to see a big example of that in Genesis 34. But first, let's look at Genesis 33. Now, it's helpful for us to look at the drama of this passage in light of the context of what we have seen. This chapter really records the conclusion of this whole saga between Jacob and Esau, where Esau was really threatening against Jacob. So Jacob flees, and he's been out of the country for 20 years, and he's coming back, and Esau is coming to meet him. Dun, dun, dun. Insert suspenseful music. But then we come to the, the, the climax, the big moment here, where Jacob finally meets Esau. And he goes and he's bowing down to the ground seven times before Esau. And then verse four, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And Esau looks at all the women and children and said, who are these? And Jacob said, the, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. And so there is this reunion and even Esau is saying, oh, you don't need these gifts. And Jacob is saying, no, please take them. And notice again how he gives credit to God because God has dealt graciously with me. And then Jacob kind of goes slow. So Esau, they kind of quickly then go their own ways again. But even though the text doesn't say some of these things, we see this in the bigger context. We realize that this exciting conclusion and peaceful conclusion to this saga really is a result of divine providence. This is the fruition of the promises that God has made to Jacob. If Esau shows up and kills Jacob right here, guess what? The promises of God are no good. And the promises of God are never no good. The promises of God are rock solid. And that's what we see here. God is showing that he is with Jacob. God is fulfilling his blessing to Jacob. And you'll notice I highlighted in those reading that Jacob is giving credit to God. He's talking about how God has dealt graciously with him. He uses that phrase a couple times. And then as he starts to settle back in the promised land, he 
erects an altar. So now we've seen Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're all worshipers. They're all building altars to God. And so we see some things there that we can model in response to what God has done. We should be worshipers. We should be people who give him credit for his gracious dealings with us. Now, we get to chapter 24, and you might even notice a heading in your Bible that says the defiling of Dinah. And this is one of those stories that, you know, you kind of feel like it's off the beaten path, maybe, of the book, and you're like, well, why? Why is it telling us this? And some of these stories is like they're they're weird or they're gruesome, as is a little bit true in this case. And you wonder why is this here? Now, when we look at the big picture, part of the reason this is here is one thing we've been tracing through Genesis is kind of this line through which the seed of the woman is going to come. It's not going to come through Abel because he's dead. It's not going to come through Cain. He's a murderer. It's going to come through Seth. And then eventually it's going to come through Noah. And then it's going to come through his son, Shem. And then from Shem to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, who was not the oldest. And it's going to go then to Judah. It's going to go to Judah. And guess what? Judah is not the oldest son of Jacob. Two brothers that are before him are uh, Levi and the other brother that we will see here have a, a key hand in this action, Simeon. Simeon and Levi, they are both older brothers to Judah, but they will not be the one through whom the line goes because the line is going to go through Judah. And who's a king that comes from Judah? David. And who comes from David? Well, the Messiah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Um He's going to come through this tribe. Well, how does that happen? Well, it's going to come through Judah and not because of them. And what we're going to see later in the book is one of the reasons that seems to be attributed to that is their anger here. Let's just go through the story real quick. But we see Dinah. She's a daughter of Leah. She goes out to see the woman of the of the land. And this Canaanite man, he sees her, it says in verse two, and he seized her and he lay with her and humiliated her. Um, and one thing we've traced already throughout Genesis is how the Canaanites are known for their sexual immorality. And here we, we see that. But then it says he loves Dinah. He wants to marry Dinah, even though he's already humiliated this girl. And so basically, uh, the, the sons of Jacob um, come up with this plan, and the ringleaders here seem to be Simeon and Levi. They, they come up with this plan to say, okay, we'll marry with you guys. We'll give our daughters to you and, and take your daughters for us, which is not something that they, they should have done. The Canaanites were sexually immoral people. They don't want to mix it up with the Canaanites. Um but so they come up with this plan to to deceive them, and they, they tell them to get all circumcised, which normally is done. The, the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, are supposed to do this on the eighth day. Well, well now it's a bunch of grown men doing it. And, and so they deceive them. And even in verse 25, it says, on the third day, when they were sore, now I'm not going to go into any more graphic detail than 
that it says two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. So they respond with this violent aggression in response to something that was done wrong. So what was done to Dinah was totally wrong. It was evil. It was wicked. But what we see is their violent response to that is actually condemned. And we'll see this later in Genesis 49. Jacob gives a final word to his sons. And he says this, starting in verse 5 of Genesis 49, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O my glory, be not joined to their company. For in their anger, they killed men. And in their willfulness, they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. And their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So we see some clear commentary that what goes on here is not right. It is not good. And you even see that at the end, Jacob is not happy about what has done. He's basically saying, you're now setting me up for trouble here in the promised land. Now, I think there is a lesson to us that there are times where we will be sinned against And there are ways that we can respond to sin against us with sinful anger. And we must take care to avoid that. And especially when we consider the entire Bible, the entire canon of Scripture, we actually see some clear instruction that we are not to seek vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Uh, Romans 12 is a great passage on this. And notice the consequences that come to Simeon and Levi as a result of their anger. And that's something that comes up. I mean, you see it in children, but honestly, adults are the same way. We get angry. We we lash out at someone. We take vengeance against someone and we say, well, they started it. Or look at what they did to me. And there may be some reality to that. They may have started it. They may have wronged you, but the Bible makes clear that never makes it okay for us to wrong them in return. We are not to be people who seek vengeance. So maybe there's a specific situation coming up in your mind where you are upset because somebody has wronged you. Heed the warning here. You are not to take vengeance. And that's where if we consider all of the scriptures, we would see God gives us a different path. Instead of returning evil for evil, return good for evil. Seek to bless instead. And we can do that ultimately because we are trusting God. And that brings us back to a bigger theme we're seeing in Genesis. God is with us. So we don't need to take matters into our own hands. We can truly leave them up to God. So may we remember, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And let this interesting, even gruesome story here in the Old Testament be a very vivid reminder to us today of the reality of that warning in James 1. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.